This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Today we're continuing uh, a series in Philippians uh, that we started a couple weeks ago. Uh, we want to go through the book of Philippians. We're not going to get through the whole book. I realize as I'm studying this that as we go through, uh, it's usually a few verses. And the reason for this is we want to demonstrate and also show you practically uh, how much is in the Word of God for you to read, for us to read and learn from. And so many times we can skim over it, but we believe in the power of the Word of God. So this week is week two of our Philippian series under this title, Fill Her Up. Look at your neighbor and say, Fill Her Up. Look at your other neighbor and say, Fill Her Up. Philippians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Please, please bring your Bible to church. If you don't have your Bible, you're going to see it on the screen behind me in a moment. We're in this series on Philippians. You know, the Bible is a fascinating book. It is still the best-selling book of all time. Did you know that? Sorry, Twilight. Sorry, Harry Potter. Sorry, all the other books. This is still the best-selling book in the most languages ever. It's also the most persecuted book in history. They've tried to burn this book. They've tried to censor this book. They've tried to remove it, this book from culture. And this book just keeps on going. There is something about this book. It is that for a book to last this long, it's parts of this book are over 5,000 years old. And you struggle with, there's some weird stuff in this book. If you don't think the Bible is weird, it's because you have not read it. There's some weird stuff. I don't even understand what that means. Why is that in there? Just read the book of Numbers. Come on, somebody. It'll just, it'll be got, be got, be got. It's just going to drive you crazy. But there's something about this book that can only be described as supernatural. For a book that it sells this well, and it's the only book you don't read, it actually reads you. When you read this book, it, God will show you your life, where, what you can be, and where he wants to come in and move in your life. This book will encourage you. This book will heal you from hurts in your life. I believe in counseling. I believe in therapy. I believe in medicine. I believe in a lot of things. But I do believe that the Bible, you read this, can heal you. I believe that this book will do surgery on you. You'll read this book, and there'll be parts of your life where maybe there's an attitude, or maybe there's, a, there's something going on, and all of a sudden you read this book, and all of a sudden something will go, you know, you, I want to remove that from your life, Mike. I want to remove that from your life, that attitude, that thought. Like This book is supernatural. And we believe in the Bible at Nova. That's why we preach from the Bible. We don't preach our opinion. We don't rant. We just don't entertain. We believe this book changes lives, changes families. This is your chance to say amen right now. Change some cities. It changes countries. It changes generations. It changes culture. And we're not here just to get through a Sunday morning. We believe we, with other churches in this city, are here to make a difference. That whenever God's presence, God's people move into an area, the city gets better. We're not here to judge our city. God, if he wanted to judge the world, he would have sent a condemner, but he wanted to save the world. That's why he sent a savior. And I believe when we walk into every coffee shop, every boardroom, every back corner of our city, we believe the city gets better. Why? Because we are people of God. And a Bible is a part of that. We want to elevate the word of God. The Bible says that this book cannot return void. God's word cannot return empty. There is power on the investment in God's word. So every Sunday morning on this pulpit, you will hear this book uh, taught on, inspired from, and read and preached. Why? Because this changes lives. When I was 19, I was uh, early in my preaching uh, um, time, and I had been preaching for a few years, two or three times a year. I never forget my youth pastor said, Mike, I need you to preach. And I was 19 or 20, maybe 21, and he went away to, for vacation. I preached, and I thought I preached a great sermon. I was funny. I mean, I was so funny. 
Like, you, you don't even know how funny I was at 19 because I didn't have uh, uh, any filter. And, uh, um, and I, it was inspiring. I mean, like, I, I, I was changed by my own sermon. Uh, and afterwards, this one punk kid came up. Uh, he was about 16, walked up to me and said, hey, you didn't even use your Bible tonight when you preached. And I was like, yeah, I did. So get behind me, Satan. You know, tell the devil not today. Tell junior high kids not today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no, I, I, I use it. And as I went home thinking about it, he was actually right. I mentioned the Bible. As you know, it says in, in, in the book of Matthew, I, it says something like this. And I talked about David. And I realized I never actually opened my Bible or read text. And from that day on, I made a conviction in my heart. And I, I, I established it in my mind that we would never, I would never start a sermon without reading the Bible. And I believe there's power in this book power in this book. The why of the Bible. Why do we read the Bible? Well, why we read the Bible is not because of duty. It's not because we have to. We read the Bible. Why do we read it? Because in this book is all about connecting with God. God crossed universe and time and the divide of sin to connect with us, and he gave us his word so we can connect with him. When we read the Bible, what, why we're reading it is we're looking for the moments where God connects with us. Jesus is all through scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's foreshadows and types. But we're always looking for where is the connection where God wants to connect with us. Sometimes it's through us repentance going, right, that's where he wants to connect. If I would just say I'm sorry and turn from my choices. In other parts, it's connecting where God's just speaking to us out of the goodness and grace going, no, I'm running to you. And that's why we read our Bible. The why of Nova Church is to help people that are far from God become close to God. Did you know that's why we exist as a church? Not to be cool, not just to have a large crowd that we're believing eventually for multiple services in multiple locations. Our why is to help those that are far from God to become close to God. There is a lot of people far from God. They feel it. They feel so far removed from the presence of God, the goodness of God, the hope of God. And one way we help people become closer to God is through the Bible. You want to connect with God? Read the Bible. It connects you like nothing else will. This was given to connect us to God's plan, God's ways, God's person, God's spirit. That's why we elevate the word of God. So how do we read your Bible? We're going to be going over this in a, in a, over, over the next few months, and we're going to be helping you apply this. And we have small groups starting up this fall. We'll have Bible studies in that small group, and we'll have fun groups in that. We'll have social groups. But how do you read your Bible? One area that I use is really simple. is a thing called SOAP. And many, some of you might know this. It's an acronym, S-O-A-P. That's how I read my Bible. S stands for scripture. I find a scripture, and some people maybe read four or five chapters a day. I try to read something until something jumps out at me, a scripture that just all of a sudden awakens inside of me and it starts reading me and something jumps out and it starts with scripture. Right now we're reading Philippians. I challenge you over this next month to read Philippians. There's four chapters. And just start reading Philippians over and over and over. It's amazing what will jump out. S is scripture. O is observation. When you read this Bible, just don't check a box going, I read a chapter. You observe, what is this text saying to me? What is God saying through this author? What is the point? What is the main thing? What is the TSN turning point? What is the moment in this? What's the point of this text? What am I observing? And then A is application. How does this apply to my life? You know that without application, um, information plus application equals transformation. Information alone doesn't change anybody. But when you apply it, transformation comes. When you read this word, you observe what it's saying, and then you go, how do I apply this to my marriage, my kids, my purity, my faith walk, my city, how I honor? And then the last thing is P, and so we pray. 
And I believe you write down your prayers. I think a lot of times uh, we don't realize how much God is actually answering our prayers. We say this often as a team. These are the days we used to pray about. A community, a tribe, a, a place to come of like culture where we can lift up God and help people far from God become close to God. We prayed for these days for so long. God has answered our prayers. The woman I'm married to is an answer to prayer. My kids and their health is an answer to prayer. I believe when we write down our prayers, it gives us a chance to go back and see what God's done in your life. Some of you are living in the moments that you've prayed for for so many years. We should be a thankful people. Can someone say amen? amen. Today we're in the book of Philippians and I'm going to start reading in chapter 1. We're down in verse 9. We're going to read two verses today. That's it. Two verses. Uh, chapter 1, verse 9 and 11. If you're there, say hey. The rest of you are lying. You're waiting for the screen, aren't you? The screen's so good. It's right behind us. Verse 9 and 11. It says this. Chapter 1, verse 9. says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. I like it already. He's a God of more than enough. Overflow. I pray that your love will over, not duty, not, not have-tos, not, not stinginess, not grumpiness, not moodiness. Come on, somebody. If you're sitting next to someone moody, do not look at them, just look at me. But God does not overflow in moodiness or judgment. He overflows in love. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Today, in the next few minutes, I want to unpack the scripture of how it applies to our life. We're in the wedding season as a church. It's that summertime. We just had a couple on our dream team get engaged on Friday. Teddy and uh, Evangeline got engaged. So fun. We have a wedding happening next Saturday. Corey and Chelsea LaRue are getting married. And, and if you didn't know about that, it's because you're not invited. I'm invited. You invite Nancy? We're invited. Yeah, that's cool. It's wedding season. I remember in our early stages of being young married and we had kids after a couple of years. And we adapted early in our marriage this statement that before we had kids and after, and we still say it, how's your love tank? How's your love tank? We say it all the time, how's your love tank? We'll text each other, how's your love tank? How's your love tank? And we took this course and we talked about, maybe you've heard about it, the five languages of love. And that you, there's, people speak love a certain way and they hear love a certain way. And sometimes you can try to say the same thing in different languages and there's a, something gets lost in translation. My wife has love languages and one of them is quality time. She just loves quality. If my wife can lock you into a moment and just, just how are you? And she just... It's like, it's just, hey, she gets really excited. If I come down early with co and I make coffee in the morning. Lately, I've been getting up early. I, it's a miracle. And uh, she comes down, and she's like, there's coffee on. And I'm sitting there. I'm not on my phone. It's like I'm waiting for her to come down, uh, her, her royal highness and all her beauty to come down the stairs. And she's like, hey, kids aren't up. It means we can just talk. I got you all to myself. There's, there's coffee. And she gets really excited. And I say, sit next to me. She, no, no, I need to sit where I can see you. And she sits across the room. I need to look at your eyes. At Boston Pizza, my love language, flirting with my wife, is for me to sit with my back to the TV so I can look at her and not watch the football games. That's quality time. And acts of service. My wife loves if I, if I take out the garbage, if I'm cleaning something, if I'm painting something, if I'm organ. That's Mine is physical touch. And every guy said, amen. All right. But also, how's your love tank? And I remember we had, uh, our kids were young, and there's so many young families in our church, and we absolutely love seeing kids run around the church. Kids will never be told to be quiet in the church. We love kids being here. We love our kids' ministry and our junior ministry. It's so much fun. One of the first things we wanted was a bouncy castle. Why? Because it's fun. 
I know you're thinking bouncy castles, they have their ups and downs. I know these j jokes are a little inflated, but. Think how funny it was at 19. You think that's good. Okay. We had young kids, and when they'd never sleep through the night, something would happen in the middle of the night, right? Like all the, all, maybe a, a diaper change had to happen, they'd cry, or maybe a bad dream, or maybe they needed a drink of water, and never from the bathroom, from the kitchen, you know? Yeah. A drink of water only counts if you get it from the, from, we have one, I'm not going to say who, but Maddie, uh, she, she need, it needs to have a straw, you know, like it, there's a lot going on in the middle of the night, and and for some reason, they'd call out in the middle of the night, Mom, or it'd be a cry if they were really young, a cry, or when they got older, Mom, Dad. And me and Nancy never talked about it, but we started this game that we never admitted we played called Whoever Moves First is It. <laughs> Maybe you know this game. We're laying in bed, and the first one that moves, you're up to get the kid. That's the game. And we never talked about it. We never, we, this is the first time I'm admitting that I play this game. But we play this game. I have discovered over life that if you move first, you're up. You're changing bums. You're getting water. You're killing spiders. Whatever has to happen in the middle of the night happens. If you move first, you're it. I discovered this skill as a young father to be able to wake up from a dead sleep without opening my eyes or moving. I can wake up from a dead sleep. My breathing does not change. I still breathe like an asthmatic overweight. I'm just, when I sleep, I don't snore. I breathe through my, through my nose and my mouth. And, and I can be fully awake and you never knew anything happened. Dead sleep, wide awake, no difference. I don't move, my eyes don't, why? Because I've learned whoever moves first is it. Kids would cry out. I'm thinking, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Come on, Nancy, move. And I might even just pull the covers a little bit to make her uncomfortable. And I, I'm not proud of these moments. But there's been more than enough. To, it's the same when your kid comes to you and they got a, a dirty diaper. You pretend you didn't smell it. Go see mom, right? Because whoever smelt it, dealt it, and changes it. Come on, somebody. So it's like, oh, ooh, there's something extra. There's a kinder surprise in there. All right, go see mom. Oh, what's that smell? What? Okay, all right, you're going to look after that. All right. I, I discovered these skills. Why? Because I realized, though, if I wanted to fill my wife's love tank, it was quality time and acts of service. It's like, hey, no, no, I got the kids. I'll tuck them in. I'll bath the kids. You know, our relationship with God is a lot like our relationship with each other. We have love tanks. There is, there is connection. And I, I realized that the reason why I asked Nancy and she asked me, how's your love tank? Is because you can get busy with the activity of marriage, but neglect the connection of marriage. Have you realized that yet? You can get busy with the, with, the, with, the, with the responsibility and the activity of marriage, but lose the connection. You can be so busy paying bills and mowing lawns and raising kids and running to soccer and playing taxi to your teenagers. You can be busy with the, with the energy and the responsibility and the activity of relationship, but you lose the connection. And whenever we'd say, how's your love tank? We're in the same room. We're in the same house. We sleep in the same bed, have supper at the same table. But somewhere in the middle of that, you can become like ships in the night and lose your connection. Here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul, who's in prison writing this, of all the things he wants to talk about, he wants to talk about our connection to God. He's talking about our faith connection. Our faith journey is a lot like relationships. When the love is low, it's because the connection is weak. It says the love overflows. 
If you feel like the love is low in your faith walk today, you're in the right place, but you need to know this. It's probably because somewhere the connection is weak. Verse 9 says it this way. It says, it says in verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Let me ask you today, with your faith, how's your love tank with God? How's your love tank with your Savior? How's your connection with divine God? I'm not talking about church. Sometimes we can get so busy with the activity of faith, setting up things, plugging things in, moving things, that we lose our connection to God. I didn't ask you how is your church commitment, which is a part of the connection. It's, that's not our why, coming to church, setting up things, uh, getting coffee, putting your kids in, in, in Sunday school. That's not the why. That's the how. The why is connection. Let me ask you today, how is your love tank? How's your connection with God? I believe that this faith walk works best when it comes from an overflow. An overflow comes from excessive inflow. You ever spill something? It's because someone poured too much in. Yeah, an overflow is because somewhere there's been excessive inflow. The Bible says that you would overflow in love. Overflow in these things. An overflow comes from such a strong connection, it's an excessive inflow. Let me ask us today, how is our love tank? This faith walk works best when it's an overflow. Luke 6.45 says it this way. A good person... Out of a good treasure of a heart produces good. An evil person out of an evil treasure produces evil. For it's out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. You can always tell what someone's full of by what comes out of their mouth or maybe their thumbs on a post on Facebook or Instagram. Out of the heart, the thumbs tweet. Out of the heart, the thumbs post. It's an overflow. Sometimes when I'm not hungry for God, it's because I'm so full of myself. My schedule, my bills, my pressure, my attitude, my, my, my status, my stuff. And I believe that God says here that it's the abundance of the heart. Who you are comes out of an overflow. I love this. There's these full words in this passage in verse 9 and 10. I put them on the screen. There's all these, I call them the full words. You'll put this word search up there for me. No, you'll see this. In this scripture, kids, you like word studies and, and, and crosswords. In this passage of verse 9 and 10, there's all these words that I can only describe as full words. Let me read these words to you that are in this passage so you get what Paul's saying. He wants you to know that what he's talking about is an overflow, an excessive, a more than enough, an abundance. Words like overflow. The word more is done twice in those two verses, more and more. The word growing and the word filled. Today I want to challenge you, church, that this faith journey isn't something that you just get enough to scrape by with. It's an overflow. So many times in my walk, and maybe yours, we, we limp into Sunday. We scrape by enough. All right, I went to church. I gave a little bit. I feel good enough. And then by Tuesday, you're on empty again. The light is on in your car. The light is on on your fuel tank going. I just, I had enough for Monday. Got through Monday. But by Tuesday, I got the same attitude. I got the same pressure. I'm dealing with the same stuff, the same temptations. And I'm scraping the bottom to try to get me to my next Sunday. This faith journey is not a scrape-by journey. God said, I pray, I want that love would overflow more and more in abundance. Yes. Remember my father when we were young, back when gas stations used to have attendance. Remember these days, you full serve, you'd pull up, and you wouldn't pump your own gas. That was a whole new thing in my teens. But when you were growing up, windows used to do this to roll down. 
Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. We're in my roll-up generation, you know what I'm saying? My daughter, we were in a rental truck a couple, uh, a couple months ago and had one of those windows. She goes, Dad, what's that? I said, that's the eject button. It gets rid of your seat, puts you up. And she goes, no, seriously, what's that? I was like, it's the window. I, she goes, that's amazing. She goes, can we get one in our car? I'm like, we pay good money not to have one of those in our car. Remember leaning over and trying to fix the mirror? Remember those days? My father would pull up to a gas station with regular attendant and full, full service. And he'd always say the same thing. We'd be out for Sunday drives. I'll never forget. It was usually Sunday afternoons that he would get the car filled with gas for the week. And he'd pull up to the gas station, run the window, said the exact same thing every time. Hey. Fill her up. Fill her up. I want to let you know today that Paul, in the middle of his prison, writing to this church, in these two verses, he's letting us know the importance of being full in this connection with God. It's an abundance. It's an overflow. How's your love tank today? God wants to fill her up. He wants you to run out of an abundance, not scraping to bottom. Filled with what? What are we filled with? Because there's a lot of things in this smorgasbord, this buffet of life. There's a lot of things you can feast on. Have you realized that yet? From our phones and scrolling to what we listen to to what we see. There's never been more events. There's a lot of things to fill our lives with. Paul says here, be filled. But fill with what? He says this. He says, fill with love. Fill with love. What is love? It means you give more than you get. It's that means you leave more than you take. The most loving people I know don't have sweet voices and give hugs. What they have, they've de dedicated their lives to leaving every room, leaving more than they take. Leave more encouragement than they take. Leave, leave, leave more generosity than they take. They leave more, more forgiveness than they take. They leave more grace than they take. Love is about leaving more than you take. These people in my life, I have them. I pray I am one of them. That in every relationship, you always know when you leave them, you're going to leave fuller than when you walked in. You ever meet the drainers, the Drano people that you, you're like, oh God, I, gotta, I don't know if I have enough for this conversation right now. You're like, okay, I can get. But other people, you can't wait to see them because you know why. You're going to leave filled up. So encouraging. Love. I believe God wants us to be filled with love, that we leave our city with more than we take from it. We leave every conversation, every office space, every school, every class that we go to in junior high and high school, we leave it filled with more than we take from it. I believe it's giving more benefit of the doubt. Oh, I could talk about this. Benefit of the doubt. I know who really loves me when they give me the benefit of the doubt. I know who I really love when I'm walking in benefit of the doubt going, that doesn't sound like them. I don't know if that, that doesn't sound like them. You know what, until I, that, that, that can't be them. You're going to have to prove that to me. You know what I've realized in life is so many times we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. Have you realized that yet? Well, they didn't say hi to me. I didn't get invited to that party. You know, I knew they have an attitude. I was sitting next to them, then we shook hands at church, and then I moved my seat, and now they think they're offended with me because I moved my seat, and now we're not friends anymore, and that's why I didn't get invited to Corey and Chelsea's wedding right there. <laughs> True story, I worked at a church once, and this man emailed me and said, a man in his older years said, I left the church. I was like, okay. He's like, I left the church because you didn't shake hands with me one Sunday. I was like, oh, I actually felt really bad because I love this man, and I said, when was that? We meet for coffee. I don't want to meet for coffee. I'm offended. I said, okay. I was like, but there's always room for coffee, you know. Come on, Jehovah Java. Always more than enough time for coffee. And uh, I went back to that Sunday, and I'm far from perfect, but I remember that Sunday is that, that they told me that my daughter, who was three in the nursery, needed my help. 
So I was running by people, getting to the nursery, trying to be friendly, good to see you, how are you, trying to get to the nursery to see my daughter. But what was interesting was he judged me by my actions, not my intentions. I do that to some people. I'm thinking, well, why do, they do, why do they look that way? Why do they say that to me? Why didn't they reply to that? And we start judging people, but when we do it, go, no, no, you don't understand. I intended. I was busy. I had a family emergency. I just been, I've been trying to deal with something, and we judge others by their actions, but ourselves, we give ourselves a pass because we know our intentions. Well, I would never do that. It's just been a busy season. I'm just going through some things. It's been a hard week. We, may we be the church that we are filled with love, that we give the benefit of the doubt. That when we see something online, we had this conversation, we will not pastor social media. Did you hear what happened online? Did you see what they did? Do you have someone say, I think they unfollowed someone? You know what? Social media is not real. It's not complete. And we get opinions on people, on stuff. And I said, no, may we be the church that we give people the benefit of the doubt, that we give more grace than we take from people. We give more forgiveness. We give more hope and joy. May we be the church. Loving is not hugging in a service. Loving is saying, I'm going to give you more than I get. For God so loved the world, he bankrupted heaven to give everything with no guarantee he'd get anything back. Oh, God, would you do that in my life? May I be filled with love. What else filled with? Knowledge. And we need knowledge. It says also, be filled with understanding. What's understanding? It's when to use that knowledge. That's wisdom. We live in an information generation. But we've never had less connection. We need wisdom on how to use information. People get themselves in trouble with their decisions. We need wisdom. If there's ever been a season of church and of culture when we need wisdom... Well, the Bible says, and culture, and we got and and we have all the information and knowledge in the world, but understanding is knowing when to use information, how to use it. God knew our eternal state, but He didn't start with "You're going to hell, you're in trouble." He started with "Follow me, connect with me, let me help you." For God so loved the world, He gave. May we be a church that understands in my life and your life that we need knowledge and understanding. What else we fill with? It goes on in verse 9 and 10. It says that we be pure. Oh, I love that word pure. I've seen this happen in the last 15 years that things of purity has become to the forefront of culture. Have you seen this yet? Air quality matters. How pure is the air quality? Now on the apps, it'll say with the air quality, don't go outside. It's a smog level. That didn't happen when I grew up. We never had apps for weather. You know how we checked the weather? We looked out the window. That's how we did it when we were young. Pure water. My grandfather would just find it hilarious that we buy bottled water these days. You have a tap, right? right? You, you pay for a tap. That's your, but why? We want pure water. Organic produce. We, we live in so much organic stuff and, and, and GMO and all this stuff. Why? Because the purer it is, the less tampered it is, the, 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 the more set aside it is, the more uh, less contamination put away from pesticides and meddling with, and the more original it is, the more valuable it is. I want to encourage you, our young people, all ages, that purity is valuable. When you save yourself for marriage, when you save yourself for godly relationships sexually, when, you, when, you, when, you, when, when you're married and you save your thought life and when you're in, in, in community and you're conscious about what goes into your life, what songs I'm listening to, what shows I'm watching. Why? Because purity is valuable. People are paying. Have you seen organic produce? It's not pretty. You, you ever see a huge tomato? That's not pure. It's been messed with in a lab somewhere. Why? Because organic sometimes doesn't look the shiniest, but it's the healthiest. 
And sometimes you may not be dating everybody. You might not have the best pose. You might not be all of a sudden with all this stuff. But there's a value on purity. I want pure water. I don't want flashy water. I want pure food. I just don't want the stuff that looks good, but it's going to kill me. I don't just want to be in a beautiful city. I want beautiful air. Why? Because what I take in produces what comes out. The Bible says that we would overflow in purity. I want to encourage you, pureness is so valuable. It's never too late to get a fresh start, for God to renew your mind, to cut off some things that God bring purity into my life. It says, what else do we fill with? It says blameless. I love that word blameless. I realized when I thought, well, how do I, how do I relate that to my life? You know what blameless does? It gives you confidence. You ever been guilty of something? You want to hide. My father would say to me all the time, my son just helps me mow the lawn, does an amazing job. My father started asking me as a teenager, I need you to mow the lawn before I get home from work. And if I didn't do it, I hid from my father. But if I did mow the lawn, I was there on the, on, the, on the driveway walking, hey dad, how you doing? Look at that lawn. Look at that. Why? Because when you're shameless, there's confidence. But when there's shame on your life, you want to hide. Some of you think people don't like you. No, they just can't look at you because of the shame on their life. Some of, our, some of our people, they keep their head down. Why? Because they, they're thinking, you can read my mind. They think pastors have this special sense where we can read your mind. If you believe that, we can, if that helps. <laughs> my daughter's like, how'd you know that? Number one, I'm a pastor. Number two, I'm a parent. We know everything. And I, and I track your phone. All right, you know? Purity. But what about being blameless? I believe blameless leads to confidence. Oh, what a joy if you live for God. You can walk into any room with confidence, knowing you weren't talking smack about the boss. You weren't talking bad about the culture. You weren't, you weren't putting down people going, no, no, I love people. I'm going to give more than I get. I have standards, but I am blameless. The CRA can call you, and you're blameless. Your pastor can walk into a superstore, and you are blameless. Your spouse can see you, and you're blameless. There's so, God wants to fill us with courage and confidence. It says this, says, fill us with the fruit of our salvation, it says in verse 10. The fruit of our salvation. It says righteous character. Character, I love that word. You know what? Our culture chases talent and charisma, not character. Have you realized this yet? We don't care what people, how they act. We don't care what their values are, but what they can do for us. Why? Because we live in a lustful culture of what can you give me? Can you play sports good enough? Then all right, I don't care what you live like. Can you make me enough money? Then I don't care how you do it. Can you get me enough status? I don't care what you believe. Because we want stuff for, and we chase charisma and talent. But the Bible says, he doesn't say be filled with talents. Be filled with charisma. Hey, just a people person. Everybody likes you. It says filled with character. That your word is your bond. That yes is yes and no is no. And where you stand is, is, is clear and character, dependable. I'm so thankful for the character people we have in this team and on this church. That their yes is yes and I'm committed, I'm there. And who I say I am in private is who I am in public. And who I am in public is who I am in private. And culture values talent and charisma, but God values character. Be filled with character. Let me ask you today, are you low on one of these? How's your love tank? As the worship team comes back, are you, are you low on this today? How's your love tank? Are you low? Verse 11, it says, how do you be filled? It says, by Jesus Christ. How do you get filled in these things? It says, produced in your life, verse 11, by Jesus Christ. Today, I have hope today for you. Jesus wants to fill us. You can get busy with the activity of Christianity, but neglect the connection with Jesus. So many times we have Instagram Jesus. Instagram Jesus is information versus connection. We've never been more connected. We've never had more information in our life, but we've never been more disconnected as a culture. 
I know what you're doing. You know what I'm doing. You know every time I have a coffee, mow my lawn. We've never had more information, but we've been fighting for connection. People are dying for connection. It's one thing to see something from behind a screen. It's another thing to, to actually be a part of it. People watch your story, literally watch your story, but they're not a part of it. Can I encourage you to say we're called to experience Jesus? Just don't watch Jesus. Don't watch lives changing from a screen or from a seat. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. Experience Jesus. Filled with Jesus. Don't settle for just information with no connection today. So glad you're in church today. But if you came to church for information, to sit in a seat, it's never full enough. You're gonna, I don't care how great the church is, how great the preaching and worship it is. At some point, it won't satisfy. But you know what satisfies? Connection. Me and my wife will fight for connection. It's date nights. But really, it's not even date nights. It's coffee time on the couch in the morning. Yesterday, it was, you want to go for a drive? Let's go for a drive while the kids are getting up and they're at that age, they're old enough. Let's go, let's go for a drive. Drink your coffee and let's go for a drive. Why? If you get connection, it trumps information. That's why if you come in here and people, I heard all the time in churches, I didn't get fed at that church. I don't know if I enjoy the music. It's too dark, it's too light, it's too short, it's too long. What they're saying is, I'm judging the information coming at me. But if you get connection, it doesn't matter the information. That's why there's some churches in our province, in the middle of nowhere, little steeple churches, 20 people, no good music, no lights, but there's people in there going, I'm here to connect with Jesus. And they're having a moment today. And sometimes we can miss it with all the information. But I believe God wants us to choose connection over information. I don't want to have Instagram Jesus. Why well, I like it from afar. I watch his story changing lives, but I'm not connected to it. I want to be active, involved, a part of this. The Bible says be filled with love and all these things through Jesus Christ. Today he's fighting for connection. John 10.10. 10 says this way in the New Living, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said this, I have come, they may have life and have it to the full. The message version is so good, watch this, the message version. A thief is only here to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they can have real and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamed of. That's the Jesus we serve today. Let me ask you today, how's your love tank? How's your love tank today? How's your love tank with Jesus? Are you scraping the bottom going, ah, I just feel like we're ships in the night. I come to church, I leave, I, I serve on the dream team, or I show up here and I, I like the music and I just feel like we, we're together. We gotta, we gotta do coffee soon. We gotta do a date night soon. We gotta, we gotta sit down and have a heart to heart soon. But I just gotta go and we just, we, pastors are guilty of this. I can be so busy trying to get information for you, I lose the connection for myself. Fighting for a connection. How's your love tank today? Here's a challenge today, two challenges. First one's this, in a moment we're gonna stand, we're gonna worship, we're gonna sing a song together. And for four minutes, five minutes, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Kids, you're gonna help me. In a moment we're gonna stand and we're gonna fight for connection. You're gonna ask God, how are we? I guarantee you will always come back with love because he overflows with love. It'll never be shame, it'll always be hope. It'll always be like, oh, I love you so much and I miss you. It won't be where you've been, it'll be I miss you. There's a difference in that statement. In a moment, we're going to have that chance. Here's the other challenge today. You're going to see this behind me, this hashtag today. Connect. This week, based on Philippians 1, verses 10 and 11, 9, 10, and 11, 
if you are the social media type? Would you fight for connection? And maybe it might be driving somewhere. It might be walking the waterfront. It might be home. It might be in your office, in your cubicle. It might be in your car before you go to work or school supplies. It might, I don't know what it looks like for you. It might be doing dishes, listening to a podcast. It might be the right song. But somewhere put that hashtag, connect. We'll know what you mean. Today, I want to encourage you, fight for the connection. Say, God, fill her up. On a Monday, fill her up. Because I don't have enough on Sunday to get me through to Friday. On Wednesday, God, fill me up. Fill me up. Overflow me with love and knowledge and purity, character, wisdom and understanding. This week, would you take that challenge? Open Philippians and say, God, I want to connect with you. Say, God, how's my love tank? How do you feel about me? Where do you want to just overflow in my life? Connect this week. And watch what God will do this week in your life with the connection. Amen.